Thank you for listening to BAM Weekly. That's Boris and Matt Weekly, where we talk about all things sports, all things entertainment, and sports entertainment. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris, Canada, still great at soccer, impact wrestling, still consistently a quality wrestling product. Toronto, still full of snow in the winter. What's going on with the world today? Man, what is going on with the world today? Because, like, yeah, it seems to be topsy-turvy year 2022, the year where impact wrestling is good, the year where Canada is good at soccer, football, footy, whatever you want to call it. Point is, we're we're one foot into the World Cup. Dude, I don't know. This is like reverse day, opposite day, opposite year. It's crazy. Yeah, backwards day. But yeah, even Toronto is getting a winter this winter, which is uh, unexpected, not usual. But uh, we we didn't get as much winter as we were supposed to get yesterday. But we're still getting a decent amount of winter overall in this city. Yeah, there's a lot of wintering happening in the city. But that's that's fine. You know, I love it. Uh, But, you know, things are going really well here. Uh, you know, I'm I'm feeling fantastic. I gotta say, after yesterday's little uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, uh, I feel I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good. I feel well rested, and I think this weekend is going to be a weekend of just R and R. Nice, probably well needed, well deserved. Yeah, you came in hot last uh, last podcast we did. Came in with zero sleep, all nighter, Bender Boris. Uh, you look you look somewhat well rested. You look better. You look happy. You look ready to go. Hungry for podcast today. Exactly. I am hungry for a podcast. Uh, you know, it it's 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 also the content. Let's be honest, man. NXT, it's yeah. not the worst. It's not the worst. Like again, I need to say that. I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but it it's it's not the best either. But it's not the worst. No. <laughs> that show it's serving its purpose, I guess. The issue that I have with NXT is that you are putting some of these people on a national level when they're not ready to be shown to a crowd of 10 people. But, you yeah. know, you know, but it is what it is. That show is what it is, right? So, but sometimes us who we've been following NXT since its initial, you know, game portrayal, it this is just so it, it it's so such a far cry from the original vision, well, not the original vision, I guess Triple H's um, um, second vision of NXT, but here we are, and on BAM, we get to talk about what we want to talk about, so that's, that's you know, I'm always a little more ready to chat BAM with the M of BAM. <laughs> yes, yes, that myself uh, being the M of BAM, yeah, man, NXT, it's a, it's a hard watch sometimes. I agree it's not as bad as some people act, but also... Sailor Moon is legitimately a character on that show. Like, Joe Pesci is legitimately a character on that show. It's not very good at the end of the day. And we say that with love. We do. We are cheering for NXT. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to keep the podcast going. So I hope the TV show doesn't get canceled. Dude, Although sometimes I wonder. <laughs> it's doing fine in ratings, right? Like, the, 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 it's... It, it's not doing a lot worse. What twenty five percent drop? Let's just say, right? And I'm being kind of generous. That's not that bad when you take a look at ratings on other stations, right? At the same time, so I don't see NXT honestly going anywhere anytime soon. You know, we'll see what happens when this TV deal is up. What I can see honestly happening is them going back to one hour. I don't think this show needs a second hour, but 
you know, we'll see. But I don't. I honestly don't think NXT is going anywhere. What is USA going to show? Another shitty movie? Uh, you know, anything that brought money for USA Network is gone. Like Suits, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I guess they could run another Walker Texas Ranger marathon. They could dip back into the Walker Texas Ranger catalog. But yeah, no, you're right about that. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, man. Yeah. So you know, on we're gonna be talking. This week is a little bit of a lighter week. That's okay. That's all right. It happens sometimes. But on today's episode, we're going to be chatting some NFL because we finally know who is going to be uh, playing in the Super Bowl in just 10 days. We're going to be chatting, giving you a quick overview of that. We're going to go a little deeper next week, but kind of want to get your our initial thoughts on not only the championship games from this past weekend, but you know what our gut says about Sunday or next Sunday's Super Bowl game. We're going to be chatting some Canada and, and CONCACAF qualifiers because Canada right now has one foot in to Qatar this November, and it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like, just how well this Canadian team is doing. But I am going to play devil's advocate a little bit because I did watch the game live in person on Sunday in Hamilton. I'll be giving you my experience of that. But I'm also going to ch chat about some stuff that kind of has me a little nervous about this Canadian team. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be negative Nancy, but, you know, there's just some stuff that I've noticed. And then on the wrestling side, we're going to be chatting some impact. Another fantastically consistent episode of impact we're going to be giving you a royal rumble ratings then we're going to wrap the show up with a little pwg bola we know who won and then we're going to be chatting about that but yeah a little little lighter show but you know it's still going to be fun i always love talking footy whether it be pointy ball egg ball footy or round ball footy i always love talking footy Absolutely. So, well, do you want to start with a little of the round ball footy? I'd love to get your live report from the, from the game, from the hammer. Boris right. was there freezing your buns off. Tell us about it. How'd they look? Because the States outplayed them, you could say, right? They'll yeah. the one 2 Yeah, I think the States outplayed them. So, okay. So my experience of going to this game, I went a little early because I, you know, I am American. I have been following the U.S. national team for a lot of years, many years. I've gone to a lot of away games. I've met some fa uh, fans, other fr I've made friends in other supporter groups that follow the USA, like the the Outlaws, like the Sammers Army. Um, so you know, it's it's I I just so happened to get a ticket through them, but I was gonna split my time up between you know my 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 Canadian watching friends, the Voyagers and the Red Patch Boys, um, and then you know the the, the Americans just because I just wanted to catch up with some some of them. Anyways. Left a little early, got to Hamilton, I want to say about 11.30 in the morning, found some fantastic parking for free near the stadium. Because if you've never been to Tim Hortons Field, it's very much like a European soccer field where it's in a very residential area and then boom, you have this, this stadium out of nowhere. And yeah, so there's a lot of like street parking. I mean, if you're early enough, you're lucky enough to, you can get a spot um, met with some Americans had some uh, some Canadian whiskey to keep nice and warm but I gotta say in terms of weather I am so glad the game was on Sunday because it was about like minus five during the pre okay. tailgate and whatnot Saturday was like minus 25 so I was just scared shitless and I'm not one to like bundle up so much in the winter right like I am naturally warm almost all the time but 
I've been to Bills games where I've frozen my ass. So I'm like, I was ready for this. So I layered up, and it's something that I typically don't do. So between the layers and the whiskey, I was nice and warm. <laughs> so get to the stadium, and I got to say, so one of the things that happened and the CSA did is they canceled everyone's tickets because tickets were sold when things were a little more open, right? And right. we were, just remember, Sunday was the last day of the lockdown. So, you know, there were still capacity limits, there was still a bunch of stuff uh, that, uh, you know, that you could or couldn't do in the stadium because of the COVID um, protocols. So, um, yeah, get in. First thing I noticed right away was just the sheer amount of people. I think that the stadium was about, realistically, 75 to 85% full. Wow. That is that is uh, something. <laughs> it's maybe not exactly what they wanted restriction wise, but that's pretty cool, man. That's uh, that's a. Hey, would you say that there were uh, enough American supporters in yeah. there? What do you think? Yeah, there there was a whole section. They had a whole section. And that section was relatively full. Um, and and you know it's kind of funny because like talking to the Americans before the game, a lot of them were like, "Don't sleep on Canada." Like a lot of them were happy that Davies was not playing. Uh, because you know they 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 knew that you know their defense is quite weak and that Davies was going to run circles around them. The other thing that was absolutely hilarious, and I always forget this fact, is that Jonathan David, um, you know, another very young kid on the Canadian national team, he's actually American, born in Brooklyn. So they're like, "This bullshit! Why did you pick Canada?" <laughs> Not bad. Much like me. I'm not sure if you identify Canadian. I'm American born, but I certainly identify Canadian. It depends who I'm talking to. You know me. You know I like <laughs> you know I'm a, I like uh, uh pushing absolute people's dirty, buttons. So yeah, dirty fence sitter, absolute snake in the grass heel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's definitely you. <laughs> so so yeah. So so it depends who I'm talking to. I identify as American and or Canadian. But I love it. Yeah, so so the game gets started. Like I say, capacity was about seventy-five to eighty-five percent full. They were selling food, and I'm assuming that all of this is because Tim Hortons Field is an open-air stadium, right? So they weren't really getting a lot of the um, the restrictions that people had in place, uh, like the ACC or Scotia Bank right. Arena or whatever, right? So the game started, and I sat like the first uh, half with the Americans. Uh, so I was very quiet when we got the first goal in the seventh minute. But first thing I noticed right away was just, you know, the Americans had full control of, of possession. Canada decided to play a very counterattack game. Whether this is, was intentional or not, you know, I don't know. Jonathan Herdman, a lot of people like to, th like, Jonathan Herdman has completely revolutionized Canadian soccer, in my opinion. He took the mediocre teams both men and women's and turn them into what they are now right like it's amazing to see what jonathan herman has done uh you know people say that you know the team is super talented but someone still has to make the strategy right uh, someone has to create a system that these players believe in and that's something that jonathan herman's been able to do and i don't quite think that that's what the americans have right now um and they're missing someone like a jonathan herman because the americans are super talented one major thing about the Americans is similar to this Canadian team. They're very, very young. When the yeah. most senior person on the team is Pulisic, and he's, what, 24, 25? 
you know you have a super, super young team. So, you know, right now the Americans are just in these weird crossroads where they're too young, but you got to get a system in place. You know, this Canadian team, they had the benefit of the Dwayne De Rosarios, the Julian De Guzmans still playing with them. So they were able to kind of learn from these vets and they just took off right away, right? So, you know, the Canadian team has had that and then obviously having Jonathan Herdman's have been helping them. But the Americans look good too, right? Like the Canadians were playing very much a defensive-minded game. It really did remind me of watching Greece in 2004 Euro when they won the entire thing, right? It was interesting. It, some, some could say it's a boring style, but it's a style nonetheless that's, that works. And when you're facing a team like the Americans, who are clearly better than you on paper, um, you know, then and and it, you know, confidence and momentum is always a hell of a thing, right? So I kind of understand why Canada played the way they did. But like I said, I'm going to be devil's advocate, and there's a couple things about the, this Canadian team that has me a little worried. Number one, you know, playing counter, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, counter football. Uh, you're opening up yourself to having the other team figure this out, figure you out, running around your defense and getting many, many goals. That's one thing. So I think the Canadians need to find a better balance between attacking and defensive style. And I kind of feel like they change their style based on who they're playing. Because if you watch the game last night against El Salvador, you know they were very much an attacking team. But then by the end of the game, they still had about 49% possession. So there's something to be said about this, right? Another thing that the Canadians don't do well is when they do have possession of the ball, they cough up the ball a shit ton. The amount of times that we just flat out lost the ball, passed the ball right to the Americans was ridiculous. And it really did concern me. Honestly, if Milan Boyan was not the goalkeeper that he is, we would have for sure lost that game against the Americans because they had amazing chances. Yeah, okay. So definitely I 100% agree just being a way more casual fan than you. You can see that Canadians, they, they aren't a possession team. I didn't realize that even El Salvador beat them in possession. That's pretty alarming. But yep. they are a counterattack team. They are the quick, youthful, fast twitch kind of muscle, right? So it kind of makes sense. But yeah, the states are more talented. At the end of the day, I agree with your with your soccer opinion there. You don't want to rely on the counterattack too often because you have to have the ball to score. Mm -hmm. And if the other team has the ball for 75% of the game, they are going to probably win. That's yep. just the way it works. Exactly. But again, the the Canadians are doing fantastic. Like they have the talent to be able to play this counterattack game. You know, we when we do get the ball in a great place in the field we do have the strikers to help us to to score and just remember we played this game against the americans without our two best players arguably right jonathan david i would say maybe is number two but with two top players that we were missing so the canadians still did fantastic you know the canadians also went from honduras which was like plus 30 to hamilton ontario which was minus 15 <laughs> you know so 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 that also could have affected them just a little bit now this last point that i want to bring up we are so close to qualifying for qatar it is not even funny we could have done it yesterday if honduras beat the u.s but they didn't so all we need is one win over the next three games to officially qualify 
Yeah, man, that is absolutely crazy. And it could come as soon as March 24th, I believe, is our next game. And we are against Costa Rica. And then we close out the table March 27th versus Jamaica, March 30th versus Panama. So Jamaica at least, but I think we can get that W, close it out strong against Costa Rica and really punch the ticket on March 24th. Yep, that's kind of what I'm hoping because I don't want to rely. I don't want to be the 1987 Blue Jays uh, and have the Minnesota Twins just, you know, piss on our parade. But it would be kind of cool to qualify at home again. The last time that kind of qualified uh, in 86, they did that in Newfoundland. So it would be really cool for us to get the big W, get the big qualification in Canada. But don't take your chances. Just get in while you can. So this leads me to my last point of this little soccer chat, and that is Canada. We officially, well, on later this month, we will officially be ranked 30th in the world. It'll be the wow. highest that we have ever climbed, ever. Um, sorry, we'll be 33rd. Right oh. now, we're at 40. So, you know, very good position slowly climbing up looking great top of the table a lot of momentum a lot of attention a lot of eyes on the canadian team but just remember Concacaf is essentially a three or four team region with usa and mexico being number one and two and three and four constantly changing between you know whomever is good at the time and i'm not saying that canada isn't good but we need to reset our expectations come November, come World Cup, because we will be facing, possibly facing the likes of, you know, an England, a Spain, yeah. a Germany, a possibly Portugal or France, right? Like, it's just, there, there, there's certain teams that we just haven't been tested against that could still run circles around Canada. So, let's remember. The fact that we even qualify for the World Cup is huge. Do not let their performance in the World Cup dictate how good or bad this team actually is. You know, we've made it. That's step one. Now step two is training and figuring stuff out for November. But if we get absolutely decimated in three group games, do not get concerned. This team is still good keep your support behind them when they come back after the world cup next year continue following this team because that's the only way that this team is going to get better and better and better just remember the real test comes november when we're facing the best 31 other nations in the soccer world and you know we'll see what happens but you know just reset your expectations It's huge that we even qualified for the World Cup. It's the hardest tournament to qualify for in the world and happens once every four years. And being in the World Cup is huge, but, you know, reset your expectations. And I'm not saying that we're going to crash out in the group stage. I honestly firmly believe that we will get past the group stage in the World Cup. I'm saying it right now. We'll play this back come November, and I'll either be embarrassed to say that I said this or happy that I said this, but I do truly believe that we will get past the group stage and into the knockout phase, but, you know, just reset your expectations, and let's see what this candidate team can do. <laughs> I like I like uh, where your head's at there, Boris. I definitely—so uh, this is the thing, man. 
I, it is a success no matter what. But if they go 0-3 and, and get bombed out, it's going to be sad. You know what I mean? That is going to be disappointing, and it will hurt interest in soccer in this nation, unfortunately. This is the trip to the big dance, the first one in a lot of people's lifetimes. I'm turning 35 this summer, Boris, and in my lifetime, Canada has not qualified for a World Cup. So, you know what I mean? Like, this is going to be the first taste of that big big stage for this nation for a lot of the people watching these games and it will be disappointing if they absolutely shit their pants i do agree though it's one thing to beat el salvador and jamaica it's a whole other thing to beat brazil and italy wait oops not italy this year lol (laughs) okay like let's 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 honestly put stuff into perspective the last time the canada made the world cup was in 1986 in mexico we got eliminated in the group stage we were 24th we were positioned 24th of 24 teams we played three games we lost three games canada allowed five goals do you know how many goals we got zero it's correcto yeah, absolutely. And that doesn't shock me at all. Like, but Canada's way better than that. Like Of course. And they shouldn't they shouldn't just be happy to be there. I I understand and I agree with your point. Don't give up on this team if they don't have the best World Cup. But they shouldn't just be happy to be there. They should want to make some exactly. damage. They should at least be trying to make it out of that group stage, like you're saying. And that's the thing, right? Like, and I, I think the team is already thinking like this, right? Like, I truly do believe that Jonathan Herdman has a system in place that these players have 100% bought into, and I love to see. And so I was talking about this system that Jonathan Herdman has because uh, I, I, I'm i still convinced that however long his contract is, you gotta park all the trucks full of money in his front steps because you know that Canada is getting a shit ton of attention right now. They got a lot of attention when the women were turning the game around. But now that, you know, with with the men's game being completely turned around from a laughing stock to qualifying first in CONCACAF to, you know, making the World Cup with this squad, you know that there's going to be a lot of countries vying for him. And there's one country specifically that I can honestly see making a huge push for Jonathan Herdman when his contract is up. Who's that? The what country USA. is that, Boris? Ah, oh, makes a lot of sense. I was hoping you would say Italy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the United States of America can definitely feels like they need that system like you were just saying, man. It would be, it would be painful if they stole him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and G- G- Greg Berhalter is just not doing the job. I don't know whether he's lost the locker room, whether he just doesn't know how to strategize, whether he just lets them do whatever, but that's really Klinsman. He, that's kind of the style that he played or that he coached. It's like, y'all are good. Y'all do your thing. I'll just sit back and, you know, collect a paycheck because that's essentially how what he did when he won the World Cup for, with Germany, right? So it's it just it's just one of those things at this point now where um, we'll see what happens. But I really do believe that a lot of countries are going to be vying for Jonathan Herdman uh, when his contract is up. So I, I don't I haven't done any research on contract lengths. But you know that a lot of countries, and I can honestly see the states making a huge push for him because Jonathan Herdman has proven that he can play um, and strategize both on the men's and the women's side and take a group of young, talented men, make them buy into a system and changing strategy game to game. 
Yeah, and changing Canadian soccer game to game, man. Doing unprecedented things, hitting unprecedented heights for this nation. So, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Actually, before we completely wrap this up, uh, we should talk a little bit about the ratings because I think they prove just how popular soccer is becoming in Canada and also that we love we love a front runner we love uh someone on the international stage uh making us proud you know international hockey always does so well in this country and and the olympics always kill it in this country but canadian soccer is killing it in the ratings in canada you're right on that matt and you know taking a look at the ratings we have to remember sunday's game was up against the two championship games in the nfl the afc finals the nfc finals and they did great ratings let's not take that away but you know they went head to head with the bengals and the chiefs and these are canadian ratings only so on ctv the bengals and the chiefs did 1.947 that's a pretty good rating but the Canada and the U.S. soccer game on Sportsnet did 973,000 viewers. Yeah, which is an absolutely humongous number. And, and it goes to show that it's growing. It's coming along. Yeah, And the NFL is still, you know, it's king. It's the most popular sport right now. But yeah, Canadians love international sports and they're loving this team. They're really getting behind it. And you can see why it's such an exciting, dope young team. Even just Davies's reactions on social media to Canada scoring these goals. It's so endearing. You just want to cheer for this team. Exactly. Now let's take a look at last night's ratings because those are in now. February 2nd, Canada versus El Salvador, 9 to 11 p.m. was the highest rated sports program of the night with 572,000 people. Second place was Beijing Prime with 508,000 people on CBC. And the Oilers and the Caps were at 411,000 people on Sportsnet, dude, Canada, El Salvador, 9 to 11 p.m., a little later, but they still won the ratings war here in Canada. Nice. And uh, the, the uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because the commentary team can be a little rough. Perhaps the production values can be a little rough, but you know what? We love them all the same here in Canada. And uh, you shout out to the Oilers. Good job. Good yeah. job by McDavid and the boys. What's what's crazy, though, is that like originally, I don't know if you remember, but back in September, there these World Cup qualifier games were not airing on TSN and Sportsnet. They, oh, no. One soccer has a exclusive content contract with the CSA to uh, broadcast these games. One soccer is a streaming app. Um, you know, for for the CPL specifically, they have a couple other leagues. I think they have the Chinese league, the Mexican league there. Um, but they're the, you know, the 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 sole broadcast partner for the men's and women's national team. But because of the sheer interest in this Canadian team, they subcontracted out the games to Sportsnet and TSN in a brilliant move because they do bring in the one soccer people. So that's why you see Andy Petrello and those people uh, during these broadcasts because it's, you know, it's simulcast from the one soccer feed, uh, which explains, like you said, the production and and, and all that fun stuff. But these games were originally not even meant to be aired on regular TV. So it's pretty cool that they did throw together the package kind of at the last minute because Canada's doing so well and making these games so important. And 
the Canadian public is responding, Boris, and we're watching them. We're coming out and we're actually watching them. We're supporting Canada. It warms my heart, man. I really hope we don't absolutely shit our pants in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, that's my concern. Like, I really, like I said, I personally believe that we will get past the group stage, but if history has taught us anything, right? Like, just, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. But Canada being ranked 33rd. Dude, things are just looking up right now. It is like I just absolutely love to see. I, I just love to see this. It's 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 a beautiful thing for the beautiful sport, for the beautiful game. Amazing. Well put, buddy. Well put. So uh let's go from one ratings juggernaut to another. Quickly talk a little big picture Super Bowl. And then next week I think we're gonna do a good proper deep dive, proper Super Bowl preview. But uh the Rams versus the Bengals, Rams favored slightly by four points in this game. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. Joe Burrow in his second year making the Super Bowl like a young Dan Marino, Boris. Yep, yep. I love to see that comparison. I hope, uh, you know, he gets the ring. But realistically, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I believe you've been saying this since the trade deadline, Matt. This Rams team is the most talented team on paper. I would always say correcto. But until they figure themselves out, they're not going to be the juggernaut, but I do think that they figure themselves out. And by God, people do not let Odell Beckham Jr. take a picture on a yacht in the next 10 days. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. But yeah, so it's, it's a very interesting game. The Bengals are a super talented young team with an obvious flaw in Achilles heel, a very bad offensive line. The Rams, the most talented team on paper, full of stars in Los Angeles, playing at home in the Super Bowl. Sean McVay, teacher of Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor is the Cincinnati Bengals coach. Sean McVay is the Los Angeles Rams coach. And uh, Zach Taylor was basically part of the McVay coaching tree, if you will. He's kind of a, kind of an understudy, kind of a counterpart of Sean McVay. So it's going to be a very interesting game for a number of reasons. I'm super excited. Right now, the line is Rams minus four. And I think I would take Rams minus four. I think the Rams are going to win this game. Yeah, but you know, you know what? Minus four. When you think about the offense that the Rams have, minus four isn't that big. I feel like the odds makers just aren't sure what to do. And I think odds makers are very, very careful after the uh, St. Louis Rams, New England Patriots game from way back when, when Tom Brady shocked the world and almost bankrupted all of Las Vegas. <laughs> absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so there's going to be a, 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 the Super Bowl is full of props and all kinds of fun things. We might even do a little gambling deep dive next week. Talk. I'm going to talk about some of my favorite props that I like. I like to gamble just a little bit on the on the Super Bowl legally, of course, with the good people at OLG, uh, <laughs> Boris. And, uh, you know, that's that. That's the way it is. Yeah, exactly. But I gotta ask you, you know, you kind of hinted at it, but let's just get get like in your like our predictions were just completely dashed last weekend. Screw you, Kansas. That's the last time I'm ever gonna root for you. Uh who do you think is gonna win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do think I I would pick like Rams. 31 Bengals like 27 28 kind of game it'll be close actually no I said the Rams were going to cover so yeah Rams 33 Bengals 26 that's your final score right there a very close game but Rams cover the four points Brad the Rams will win the Super Bowl I just think as good as Cincinnati's offensive line is St. Louis or sorry Los Angeles's defense is just so talented they will get to burrow they will punish him 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's going to be a hell of a game. I think we're going to it's I think we're honestly in for a very fun game, but I am so uh uh interested to kind of see what the ratings are going to look like because this is the first time that we don't get the quote-unquote usual suspects in the Super Bowl. Yeah, in a long time, we've had like some combination of obviously Tom Brady just keeps showing up in these things. He in his 20 seasons, he's been to 10 Super Bowls by himself. But we had Mahomes uh, in the last few Super Bowls as well. And this does kind of feel, although the Rams have been there in the last five years, it does kind of feel like some fresh blood. It's Joe Burrow's second season. The Bengals were dog shit two years ago. So, yep. Take note, WWE, you sometimes need to make new stars somehow. Exactly. Can Joe Burrow be the Braun Breaker or can Braun Breaker be the Joe Burrow? Maybe that's the question we should be asking. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. But yeah, no, it's it's I'm I'm quite excited for the game, but I think a lot of people are going to be tuning in for the halftime show. <laughs> Definitely. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, as, as far as halftime show goes, I think it's it's on the stronger side. I'll, I'll be, you know, excited to see it. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely far more excited for the game. It'll be nice. Grab some beers, grab a couple wings, maybe have a couple friends over, you know, make a day of it. It's the Super Bowl, Boris. It's uh, it, 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 in uh, in the way that soccer is the beautiful game. This is the beautiful TV telecast. This is this is the day. This is television sports Christmas. So yeah. I'm, I'm always excited. It is the most quintessential American thing humanly possible, isn't it? It absolutely is. It's like, yeah, it's like a, a cool apple pie on a windowsill that has already cooled because it used to be warm <laughs> or something. I have no idea. It. This is why Please I identify do Canadian. Not put your dick in any apple pie. <laughs> whoa, whoa, where did that come from? I'm just trying to have a nice conversation about American things. You go all Jason Biggs on me here, Boris. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, just like I ruined that entire good feeling, uh, I'm, I'm completely <laughs> taking us off script because I got to ask you, the timing of this is, is for me, hilarious. Because um, as much as I enjoy the sport of football, the NFL is a piece of shit company um, run by piece of shit people. So I need to ask you, will the Brian Flores uh, lawsuit kind of put a black eye on Super Bowl week? That's very interesting. I'm sure the NFL will do everything they can to avoid talking about it, you know, but maybe and um, it should. It probably should, man. What the Giants did to Flores, if that's true, Allegedly. is just absolutely bunk. And it's what it's what we all fear that this Rooney rule would be. Just just placating people, you know, just kind of absolute nonsense, just not actually using the spirit of the rule to find new, better candidates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there, there's just a lot of there's a lot of things, right? Like it's I, I, I like the fact that, you know, some of the more outspoken people have already talked. Obviously, John Elway has kind of said his piece. Jerry Jones earlier said his piece. So you're kind of getting those 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 more loud voices out of the way before Super Bowl week because I think after the Pro Bowl on Monday, you know, things are completely focused on the Super Bowl. But at media, please make things uncomfortable for these teams yeah. and bring up these questions. Absolutely. It's just like the Rocky Wirtz thing last night with the Chicago Blackhawks where the, the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks got so mad at two reporters asking what Chicago has done to remedy and change the culture since the Kyle Beach incident. And he got so mad about it and said, we're not talking about the past. We're not talking about 2010. Embarrassed himself and the organization. So 
I think that's a tip of the cap to the media. Those were two good reporters doing good things, asking good questions, and hopefully uh, we see a little bit of that this week and not just, me, Joe Burrow, you're second-year quarterback. You went to college with Jamar Chase. You know what I mean? Like, they actually, they're going to have the world's eyes on them, and hopefully they some reporters do have some backbone there, for sure. Yep, exactly. But, you know, it's hard to... I'm I'm kind of split. Like I want them to have the backbone. One hundred percent I do. But let's be honest, the NFL and the power the NFL carries is crazy, right? So we'll see. Um, but I want the teams and the league to feel very uncomfortable next week because Brian Flores is just one person that has alluded to this, right? Like this isn't anything new in the NFL. No, absolutely. It's not like Flores is making this thing up, man. And we're both Dolphins fans. We were shocked when they fired Brian Flores in terms of his performance. And now we 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 had heard things even before about him fighting with Tua and him being, quote, abrasive in the locker room was the word I heard used a lot. Abrasive. But like. Isn't a football coach supposed to be a little bit abrasive? He's an alpha male football coach. He's got to be the leader of 53 crazy, humongous athletes. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be somewhat abrasive. I don't know. You kind of want that in a football coach. Exactly. You know, and this goes to, again, it goes to show you the power of a PR team, right? Like, if they were able to try to create this illusion that Brian Flores was this loose, like, this loose cannon, the quote unquote angry black man narrative that yeah. you know you know and, and and then now all of this is coming out uh, where 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 he essentially got screwed by other teams where you know even his own team was kind of like cr- crapping on him throughout his entire stay and then when he gets fired they try to spin things and make him the issue yeah absolutely and it, it, there's you see that that's an unfortunate consequence of like sports. You see that a lot of times in a lot of sports, like the guy gets sewered on his way out, but that sucks, man. It's unfair, especially in Flores's case, because he might not ever get another job, especially after this, this lawsuit and just the way it ended in Miami. Like they had two winning seasons and you fire this guy. It really seems like something's wrong with him. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think that's the case. So it's very. I think Flores has a very strong case with this lawsuit. It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out, and I hope it's not ignored over Super Bowl weekend. Yep. And one last thing I need to ask you about, because this is the only time we're going to really talk about it, and that's Tom Brady. We talked about already. He has retired. <laughs> After 22 amazing seasons in the NFL, he has decided to call it quits because his heart is in other places right now. Matt, what can we say about this guy? We're Dolphins fans. We're supposed to hate him, but it's almost it's almost impossible to hate the man for his infield abilities. Whether you agree with his politics and his stuff outside of the football field, you know it is what it is. But in the field, he probably is the best football player to ever play the game. Arguably the greatest athlete in the history of team sports. You know, you could put him against like the Jordans and the Gretzky's and and uh, the Babe Ruths and those people, and he might stand above all of them too. So yeah, man, nothing but respect for Tom Brady. 
And the record books will show that the Dolphins played him pretty goddamn tough. So we remember that as Dolphins fans, buddy. We were there. We saw the games. But yeah, man, Brady came around when I was 13 years old, and he stayed in every Madden game, stayed in my football life ever since. And 13, 12 was right when I was first starting to watch football, like, and really appreciate it, really understand it. So yeah, Brady has been a huge part of my life. And uh, in a, in a, some way, I'm going to miss him. But also, I've been ready for this retirement for a while. Fare thee well, Tom Brady. Yep, exactly. And I think that the 2022-2023 season of the NFL is going to look so different because I think we're going to be seeing a lot of other people change teams and retire. Uh, You know, we're talking about the Big Bens. We're talking about the Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady's already out of it, you know, out. Uh, You know, I feel for any Tampa Bay fan that has been a fan for longer than, you know, a year and a half. But I think the landscape of the NFL is going to look super different come August of this year. Million percent agree with you, buddy. I think Aaron Rodgers might be coming to the Dolphins. I, I've been Ugh. saying that for a couple of months, but I think it might be happening, buddy. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> Anyways, man, I think that's uh, a nice way to kind of cap and, t- and 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 talk uh, as we talk all things sports. I should learn how to speak English before <laughs> I uh, record a podcast. But I think that's uh, where we're at with the sports. I think it's time to move on to the wrestling portion of the show because, again, it's a little lighter, but we wanted to have this conversation. Uh, I think we're going to start off with some Royal Rumble scores. Um, you know, Matt and I did the after party on Saturday. Thank you for everyone who did tune in in on the YouTubes or Zoom. Um, You know, it was honestly a hell of a fun show. Uh, It was awesome doing the show with Jason Agnew. And, uh, you know, moving forward, it'll be myself and Matt uh, running with these after parties. But, uh, you know, and and I just want to thank everyone for tuning in, for getting your call in, for leaving us with your feedback. It was honestly a lot of fun tiring as all hell by the end of the weekend but it was so 100% worth it but one thing we didn't do on Saturday night was give and 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 on purpose was give ratings to the matches because we kind of wanted to kind of wrap up Royal Rumble 2022 on BAM we'll give you our scores we'll briefly chat about a few things um, you know post Rumble but I think that it is fair to say Matt that this was a tale of two Rumbles Yeah, uh, Jason described it as a downhill ski slope of a show, and I feel like that's absolutely, completely accurate. There was maybe one little mogul with Lashley versus Lesnar that was a little bump, but other than that, it was pretty much just started strong and just fell off an absolute cliff after that. But before us, before before us, (laughs) Boris, before we even really go too deep into this thing, do you want to talk about the Shane McMahon controversy quickly? Do you believe it, A, and uh, do you believe it, B? Like, metaphorically, do you believe this shit? Well, (laughs) here's the thing. You know, we've, last year, when NXT was changing over, we always made the jokes of, you know, when is Triple H going to be released? And a lot of people, even we said, there's no way that he's family. That would make for an awkward family dinner. And then, you know, we hear earlier this week that Shane McMahon was sent home or and or released from his WWE talent contract because of issues stemming over the weekend. Essentially, you know, coming from PWI Insider, coming from other people, Shane McMahon was heavily involved in the creative aspect of Saturday's pay-per-view. There were a lot of uh, tensions 
and 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 creative ideas that were going back and forth among people and a lot of them were apparently very stupid ideas but this lead led to Shane McMahon coming out in the position later in the match that he did this also came out um, that you know why he looked so strong because the original plan was for him to be involved in the elimination chamber match and then eventually WrestleMania having a program with likely Seth, Seth Rollins was the plan that uh, people have been talking about. So, you know, he makes himself look strong. He kind of, for lack of a better term, buries some other talent, i.e. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens stunned him twice, gave him a super kick, went to eliminate him, and Shane literally just reverses and eliminates Kevin Owens, right? Like, you knew something was up uh, when, when all of that was happening. But, yeah, essentially, you know, there was a lot of heat on Shane McMahon after the Royal Rumble, and I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the, the 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 negative reviews of the men's Royal Rumble kind of added to this. So Shane was let go, sent home. We don't know the details, but point is he's not around anymore. Which just goes to show you, right? You know, it doesn't matter who the fuck you are. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> can be cut from the WWE. But do I believe it? Yes, I do. I do believe that. I don't know the if I believe all the details, but I'm sure that, you know, Shane McMahon had a role in the creative aspect of it and he got a lot of heat for it. And right now when WWE is kind of walking on eggshells with talent, you know, you kind of need to rectify things as fast as possible. And the best way to do that is just, you know, quietly sending him home. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And if he was actually like the word was that he was pissing people off backstage and he was insulting other producers and talking down to them and kind of just being a menace. And he also put himself in the Royal Rumble. He also eliminated Kevin Owens. He also booked himself apparently to wrestle Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. And the report was he wanted Seth Rollins in the Royal Rumble so that Shane could eliminate Rollins setting up their feud, which would also lead like to kind of Seth Rollins no selling the chair shot attack from Roman Reigns in the pre in the first match. Right. Like for him to be in the Royal Rumble, it would kind of make that whole thing look weak that Roman did. It would kind of just negate that entire thing. So Vince McMahon, I think wisely, if reports are to be believed, uh, vetoed some of Shane's ideas and then sent him home because people didn't want to deal with him anymore. So shockingly good decision by 2022 Vince McMahon. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, right? Like, you know, but uh, whatever I, I can delve deeper into this where he probably pissed off Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn. And that's what forced this essentially. But, you know, I don't want to speculate. Right. But the point is at the end of the day, Shane was just pissed off the wrong people or enough people, and he got sent home. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's to be expected at any workplace, really. It kind of makes sense. Not only was he booking himself to wrestle Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, which is objectively insane, but he was going to be in the Elimination Chamber. So on Monday Night Raw, Austin Theory beat Kevin Owens to qualify for the Elimination Chamber. Boris, was Shane McMahon going to beat Kevin Owens on Raw after eliminating him in the Royal Rumble to I qualify for that match? You know, if, if if we take a look at booking and just, like, booking rules, right? Like, if person A eliminates person B at the Royal Rumble sometime and, and there's a highlight of it, there's a focus on that elimination, typically there would be a program stemming out of that match, right? So uh -huh. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the original plan. So Shane McMahon probably would have beaten Kevin Owens on Monday Night's Raw. So, yeah, good thing he's got uh, good riddance, Shane. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out, pal. Yep.
Um, I wonder how many AEW wrestlers are calling WWE wrestlers saying, hey, how, what did Shane do? And can Brandy do the same? <laughs> oh, man, people hate Brandy Rhodes. Although that that promo last uh, night on AEW Dynamite was one of the worst I've seen on Dynamite in a long time. That was a disaster, and I understand <laughs> why people dislike her work. But it seems like it's getting a little personal these days. <laughs> it's funny. You said one of the worst promos that you've seen Dynamite since the last time, and all I could think in my head was since the last Brandy promo. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, she is. Yeah, one of the worst things on on a very very good AEW Dynamite show. Yep. All right, let's jump into the Royal Rumble. Like we said, this was a tale of two rumbles. But Matt, you know our gimmick. We need a rating system for the Royal Rumble. What are you thinking? Um, I'm gonna go slightly off the board and just kind of hammer home how absolutely insanely asininely stupid this name is we're gonna do do drops out of five for this royal rumble boris because becky lynch wrestled a person named do drop god bless her piper nevin is working really really hard with a ridiculous gimmick she's been given but uh unsurprisingly the fans did not give a shit about becky lynch versus do drop so yeah, let's go five there was dew drops a, out of five. Yes, five dew drops out of five. But and I gotta say, there was a literal fire in the building as that <laughs> match was happening. Doesn't help. Doesn't help things, Boris. But yeah, first match of the Royal Rumble, Seth freaking Rollins defeats Roman Reigns by disqualification when Roman Reigns refuses to break a guillotine. Fourteen minutes and twenty-five seconds. Freaking Rollins pulled out Freak. a really good match from uh, from Roman here. Yeah, dude. Honestly, the first five to seven minutes of that match, I was popping. There was a very near fall early in the match that I literally just like, just audibly popped for. <laughs> How does one audibly pop? <laughs> no, Screaming. I know what you're saying, but yeah, I feel you, I feel you. That's, uh, yeah, it was a, a very strong match. I thought it was a great wrestling match. I would go as high for this one, Boris. Four and a quarter dew drops out of five, 85%, and you will be seeing it again on the top 122 of 2022, probably near the bottom. Yep. All right, let's move on to the second match of the night, which was the women's Royal Rumble match, which was eventually won uh, by Ronda Rousey in 59 minutes and 39 seconds. Matt, how many do drops would you give this match? Uh, so, yeah, before we get there, a couple, a couple little facts. Ronda Rousey enters at 28, wins the Royal Rumble. She lasts 10 minutes and 16 seconds, eliminates four people. The elimination leader in the Women's Royal Rumble this year was Charlotte Flair with five. The time spent leader, the Iron Woman, if you will, Boris, Bianca Belair, 47 minutes and 30 seconds. But they only gave Bianca one elimination, which is surprising to me. The silver medal Iron Woman, literally. Liv Morgan, 37 minutes in this rumble. So that was good. This was uh, this was sloppy at points. I mean, let's be honest. Kelly Kelly hit the worst head scissors I've ever seen. The Molina-Sasha Banks thing was pretty laughable. They didn't let them do anything at all in the ring. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a very fun wrestling match. You know, it was fun to see Mickey James come out. She was so fired up. It was cool to see the, the Nikki Ash and... Uh, uh, Mighty Molly little situation they did. I thought there were enough cute spots. There was enough nostalgia that this thing kind of, it, it, it floated through Boris. We got through above the Mendoza line, above the Madcap Moss line. What do yep. you think? I agree with everything that you said. I love that you use cute to describe wrestling matches. 
Um, one, it's my thing now. I know. One other notable uh, stat is Ivory was the shortest contestant at 25 seconds. Good call. Yeah, I actually really like that as well. The uh, the the Ivory situation made me laugh. Good times. So yeah, I would go. I would go as high as three dew drops out of five for this Royal Rumble. Slightly above average. They did it. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, then after Ronda Rousey won and the WrestleMania sign was literally on fire, we had a Dewdrop versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship match. Honestly, Matt, I thought this match was better than a lot of people said it was. Same. I thought it was way better than the people gave it credit for. As we covered, they were coming down from a Royal Rumble match, and also there were things beside them on fire. So they they were distracted, and that's fair. But uh yeah, I thought this was a way better match than the crowd gave it credit for and that fans have given it credit for. But at the same time, they they failed to hook the people. They did. It's a fact. So you couldn't call it one of the best matches you've ever seen or anything, but I thought it was a very good match. I would also rate that one three dewdrops out of five for dewdrop. And I hope they get a better match in front of a better crowd. Yeah, agreed. All right, the next match was for the WWE Championship. It was Bobby Lashley, your challenger, versus Brock Lesnar, your champion. At the end of the night, Paul Heyman realigned himself with Roman Reigns, screws Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley wins the belt by pinfall. Matt, what are you thinking? What I loved about this match was that it wasn't clean at all. It wasn't, like, crisp. It felt like a fight. And, like, every single suplex looked like it really hurt. And perhaps that's, like, bad in terms of execution. You know, it maybe wasn't the best night. But I, it worked for this match because it was two bulls in a china shop just running into each other. So I really thought this was very good. And the twist worked on me, too. I didn't see the twist coming. Didn't see the turn coming. So I would go as high as three and a half new drops for this one. Other than the opening match, far and away the best thing on the show. Yep. And then probably the low light of the match. And again, this match, what bothers me the most about this match is the fact that we know or, you know, we speculate very hard that this match was originally supposed to be the Miz and Marie's versus Johnny Drip Drip and Mrs. Drip Drip. Um, but yes. it ended up being the Miz and Marie's versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. Oof, this match. I liked it way more than some people did. I thought it was just a, a bit of fun, just a wacky bit of pro wrestling fun. It was exactly what I expected. It was exactly what I wanted. And it was slightly above average yet again. So it's funny that you say this was safely the worst thing on the show because I think the main event was safely the worst thing on the show. I think this was... Uh, a perfectly fine, slightly above average WWE mixed tag team match. So we're going to go by by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Another three dew drops out of five for this one, Boris. Just just clearing the madcap moss line. Just making it over that bar. Yep. All right. And then the main event of the night, which was probably the low point on a lot of people's night. If it wasn't the match before, it was for sure this one. And that is the men's Royal Rumble. 51 minutes and eight seconds. Brock Lesnar was your winner at the end of the night. Coming out number 30, winning the entire match. Uh, sh you know, nice little surprise for some. But it was kind of written in the like it was written. The writing was on the wall, as they say. Yeah. It's so funny that they they pretend that this is a surprise, but every fan who's been watching for more than six months or who isn't like, quote, a casual fan who only watches the Rumble would have seen this coming. Like everyone basically listening to the podcast saw this coming. 
You know what I mean? So it's very funny that they push this as a surprise when it is, in fact, the least surprising outcome. But what is surprising, the elimination leader and the Iron Man this year. I'll give you 10 guesses. You probably couldn't get it. Um, I know who it is. Oh, okay. Well, then you probably could get it. It's AJ Styles. I guess that makes sense because he came in at number one. But yeah, I wouldn't have pegged him coming into the match. 29 minutes is the uh, the distance record in 2022. And six eliminations for AJ, which is very, very surprising. Yep. AJ Styles with uh, yeah, six eliminations. Brock Lesnar with five. Um, do you know, this is a fun little stat for you. Uh, the longest person, or this is the longest in this match, at least, that someone went without an elimination. Do you know who it is? Uh, no, no idea. Austin Theory, 22 minutes, 6 seconds, 0 eliminations. Oh, I thought Theory got one. I thought Theory did get one elimination. No, he did not. Uh, well, no, at least not what? officially credited to him. And then the shortest, nice. you know what the shortest time in the Rumble was? I'm uh, trying to know who was it, buddy? Kofi Kingston at 21 seconds, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Because it seems as though he botched his Kofi spot this year. Um, also, so it seems like Austin Theory, much in the way that an NFL player can get 0.5 sacks, it looks like Theory has half an elimination because he was in on the almost elimination. Or actually, it was what, what, one, two, three, four, five, six different guys. So he has zero point, like what, one. Two five five five. What is it of an elimination? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right, very good. So, uh, yeah, man, a terrible Royal Rumble overall. What Royal Rumbles have you ever seen that were worse than this one? Mm, the greatest in Saudi Arabia. Okay, Saudi Arabia is notwithstanding, like in terms of non-Saudi Rumbles. Honestly, I would compare this to like the dry years of WWE in the mid '90s, right? Like '95 yeah. to '97, maybe. And even then, the '95 Rumble was pretty fun. The '97 Rumble was pretty fun. Like the worst Royal Rumble on, and we did this whole list last year talking about it. And we're gonna re-rank these matches into that list at some point, maybe before the Royal Rumble next year. We'll bring that to you. But uh, anyway, Boris. The worst Royal Rumble on that list we had was 1991. Second worst was 1999, which was the Vince McMahon and uh, Stone Cold Rumble, which was was dog shit for the entire time. But at least it had that fun bit of storytelling, right? The 1991 Rumble was a lot like this Rumble, just really weird, boring, same old winner, not much happening. So I think this is up there with 1991 as the worst Royal Rumble I have ever seen. I'd have to really think about it, but it's right there. It is either the worst or the second worst Royal Rumble I've ever seen. And I would say 1999 was safely better because at least it had the entertaining story of Vince and Austin. Yep. Agreed. No, this is by far the worst one that I've seen. And I've seen almost all of them, right? Like this is, it was just really bad. Yeah. Just, and still at the same time, it's pizza. I wouldn't go any lower than two do drops out of five for the entire match because it was a 55 minute epic presentation of pro wrestling, but it was still like a, a bad slice of pizza, a bad Royal rumble, Shane McMahon and Rick Boogs and Johnny Knoxville. These are the big stars coming out of this match, Boris. It's, it's insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rick Boogs is like a 1920s strong man now. He's like a guitar-playing 1920s strongman. What is that gimmick? 
I don't know what that gimmick is. He's like half rock star, half ravishing Rick Rude. He kind of looks like ravishing Rick Rude. You know what? Embrace the ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah, absolutely. He might as well lean into it. But he's also wearing like a strongman like uh, singlet and doing like 1910, 1920s strongman, like vaudeville strongman power spots. It's very strange. Man, that would be a cool gimmick, it, especially a tag team with the vaudevillain type gimmick. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> It'd be very interesting. Yes, some kind of <laughs> yeah, some kind of vaudevillian tag team, perhaps. <laughs> oh, Remember those guys? <laughs> that's that's really really funny. We could do a little segue, but I was actually hoping to talk about PWG first because that's not going to be a long discussion. It's only going to be five or six minutes because we haven't seen these shows yet. So all we can say is that Boris, you should listen to the Bam Show because we told you exactly. Almost how this tournament would play out. <laughs> we said that Speedball Bailey would beat Bandito round one. He did. We said that Daniel Garcia would make it to the finals against Speedball Garcia or Speedball Bailey, and he did. We told you Speedball would win the tournament, and uh, we were close. But what's important, Boris, is that we know what we're talking about here at BAM. We called the Bola final from day one, and we got the winner wrong. But, you know, tip of the cap to Daniel Garcia. It's going to be a big year for Garcia in 2022. I can't wait to see Speedball versus Garcia, man. That match is going to be awesome when we finally get to see it in October. Yeah, exactly. I'm really looking forward to seeing this match from all accounts. It was a very good, very fun match. This is the first time that the Bola Finals wasn't a three-way in many years. And why would you throw a third person into Daniel Garcia versus Speedball Mike Bailey those two deserve an Ironman match. Absolutely. And well, it was a three-way because it was a 24-man tournament, right? And it was just there they didn't have the bodies for the three-way this year. It was a 16-man straight up uh normal single elimination yeah, tournament. So yeah, saying. well that they yeah, of course. And I'm glad they did. And I can't wait to see this match. We are Daniel Garcia truthers here at BAM. I have been on this guy's bandwagon for a while. I hope he has a huge year. He's 23 years of age right now, man. 23 years old. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Being from Toronto, we've seen him in Smash a thousand and one times. Uh, we've seen him in Dynasty a thousand times. Like this guy, you know, and uh, uh, these guys that come from the Buffalo area, from the uh, southern Ontario area, and we've seen them so much. It's really cool to see these guys and how this little uh, slice of North America is just producing some of the best wrestlers with Josh Alexander, Speedball Mike Bailey, you know, Daniel Garcia, and the list just goes on and on and on. Makes you proud, man. Makes you proud. And it, it's it's a really interesting list, the Battle of Los Angeles, because even going back to the early, early days of PWG, there are some huge names, but there are some wild, wild misses, too. And not even misses necessarily, but people who will not be back. So let me just quickly go through the list of winners. PWG, starting 2005, Chris Bosch. Not that Chris Bosch. PWG <laughs> wrestler Chris Bosch. 2006, Davey Richards. 2007, Shima. 2008, Low Key. 2009, Kenny Omega. 2010, Joey Ryan, E. 2011, El Generico. 012, Adam Cole. 013, Kyle O'Reilly. 14, Ricochet. 2015, Zack Sabre Jr. And I remember that tournament being awesome. The final there was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Chris Hero versus Mike Bailey. That was a ton of fun. 2016, Marty Skrull, E. Oof. Yes. 
2017, the only two-time winner, Ricochet. 2018, Jeff Cobb. 2019, Bandito. And I believe they skipped it in 2020 and 21. Yep. You're due right. To, due to pan due to pandemic. So we go uh, we skipped it two years and then Daniel Garcia, 2022. So even like say obviously like the less said about Joey Ryan and Marty Skrill, the better. But at that time, those were some of the hottest names in independent wrestling, some of the biggest stars, some of the most important names. And for Garcia to be on that list is absolutely humongous. And it's telling that his future is bright. People in wrestling know it. This kid is great, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like it's it's he's so good. He is so good, and the future is super bright for him. And you know, it seems that AEW agrees with us because he's been getting a bit of a sp- mid card spotlight on him. Which, you know, in my opinion, if you're getting any TV time in AEW, any focus on you, you're clearly doing something right with such an oversaturated really? roster right now. Million percent. They barely have time for Andrade to do a five second backstage promo. But That's yeah, Garcia is usually. <laughs> but yeah, Garcia is usually uh, pretty prominently featured, at least for a mid card guy. Yet Brian Danielson and John Moxley talking about him, bringing him up by name in their promo. So yeah, man, people know about Daniel Garcia and just very very proud Buffalo boy. Spent a lot of time wrestling in Toronto. Feels like a feels like a, our own son here, you know. So yeah. Definitely, definitely feeling like 2.0. Proud Papas. Let's go, Daniel Garcia. Hey, you know how we feel about 2.0. If you ever listen to NXT talk. <laughs> yes. Back in the Everrise days, the we were hardcore Everrise rules. Perhaps we might have started that movement. <laughs> yeah, might as well have. But, all right, man. So that's Bola. I'm really excited to actually watch these matches. But uh, something that we did watch. And again, what world are we in? This isn't Earth. This is like Earth Five at this point in the multiverse because Impact Wrestling is finally consistent. I'm always nervous to say good. Yeah, well, it's because it's not like like a good Dynamite is still better than Impact at, at this point. But it's just been so long since Impact felt like it was a good wrestling show written by competent humans. With with really good wrestlers up and down the card doing good things like every feud isn't embarrassing. It's not racist and sexist and, and idiotic. It's not like women dancing in cages and puppets pulling guns on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like actual professional wrestling and pretty good professional wrestling. Scott Demore seems like he's doing some good, good work here. With Dude, impact. And right from the get-go, I have to say, you know what makes me actually a lot more interested in Impact Wrestling? Just for, just off the top. Is it the Ring of Honor uh, interplay? Well, no. It's it's honestly the commentary. The oh, team nice. this week was Tom uh, Hannafin, who's just been killing it in Impact. Uh, and he was actually joined by Matthew Raywold. Uh, who you know a lot of people might know from his time in WWE because uh, the last time that we really saw him in WWE, he was commentator of 205 Live. Yes, he was Aiden English, the former Vaud villain, strangely enough, Boris. And uh, yeah, he's a pretty good commentator. Tom Phillips is, in my opinion, like the best WWE commentator they've had in like five or ten years. So of course they fired him because they're completely clueless. And he has really been a boon to Impact Wrestling. He has helped that show tremendously. I agree with you. That's a really great call, buddy. 
Yep. All right, so let's get to this. The first match of the night was Chris Bay versus Jake something, another person that we've seen in the Toronto area a thousand and five times. Yeah, we say it every time his name comes up, but Toronto independent legend Jake something getting a big W here on Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Dude, this match was fun. This match was really good. Uh, perfect way to start the match, right? Like having a good, fast-paced contest. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, yeah, I was I was pretty surprised at the winner. But Jake something, big, huge win over Chris Bay. And it looks like we're going to get some Bullet Club in Jake something's future. So it seems like he's getting inched up the card here a little bit, Boris. You love to see it. Yeah, you do, because, all right, so after the match, the match lasted about 19, 9 minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, Camacho and his and Tamatonga come out. Do you like how I use that? Um, Gorillas of Destiny, <laughs> they beat up Jake something. And then Speedball Mike Bailey runs out, uh, saves Jake something. Switchblade Jay, Jay White runs in, gives Bailey a superplex to leave him lying in the middle of the ring. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny got in the camera, called out the good brother, saying that the Gorillas of Destiny are here now. Uh, so, you know, we seem to be getting a uh, Gorillas of Destiny, Good Brothers feud, starting Bullet Club, the former Bullet Club team. Interesting. Uh, that is a deep cut, by the way. Hunico and Camacho. Wow. I haven't thought of him in years, Boris, since 2011, probably. But yeah, this was a solid wrestling match. You could argue it was better than most of the things on the Royal Rumble. We're going to go three shark boys out of five for this one, Boris. Good, good showing by Jake something and Chris Bay. Yeah, exactly. I really like this. All right. So uh, it's the 20 years of impact. Let's remember that come June because Boris and Matt have a very special couple shows for you. I'm still regretting that we're even going to do these shows, but yeah, they're really <laughs> pushing the fact that this is the 20th anniversary of impact. Um, the camera catches the honor. No more. I like, I like the name of this group honor. No more. It's pretty cool. It's pretty 2000s. It's pretty drowning pool kind of wrestling, but I, I'm for it. It's pro wrestling. I like it. Yeah, I still think that the Undisputed Era should have been called Dishonored. Oh, that's interesting. Have, has, has that already been a stable Dishonored? That feels know. familiar to me. I don't know. Um, all right, so like uh, we see Honor No More, Matt Taven, Maria Canales, Mike Bennett, Vincent, PCO. They're trying to get past ringside security. Uh, Rich Swan, Rhino, Josh Alexander, Willie Mack, and Eddie Edwards were in the ring in red tracksuits. They kind of look like a knockoff Team Canada. Honor No More managed to get to the front row. Uh, Rhino asked security to let Honor No More through so they can kick their asses. Scott the Mork uh, comes out. Um, he talks about how 2022 is the time when people want to see companies break down doors. The more said honor, no more don't do not officially represent ring of honor because they don't even work there anymore. The more said they don't even represent what ring of honor stands for. The more said that people like, uh, Carrie Silken or Jonathan Gresham represent what ring of honor stands for. The more yelled that honor, no more are just a bunch of carny pieces of shit. Uh, Maria asked why they have to play by Scott's rules. Uh, she then said they didn't have to wait for Scott's bullshit answer. She said honor no more was just an opportunity. Uh, the more said they don't deserve anything after the shit they've pulled in recent weeks. Rhino cuts in, said they deserve to get their asses kicked. The more said one thing he agrees with Maria about is the business is 
business. The more booked Impact Wrestling versus Honor No More in a 5v5 match, where if Honor No More loses, they have to leave Impact. Uh, Chris Saban uh, cut in and said that no one wants to wait until then. The more said that each team can pick one of their members to fight against each other. PCO wanted to cross the barricade. The more took that as an answer, and he books PCO versus Chris Saban as the main event of the night. Yeah, interesting little promo here. Scott Demore is great. I thought he was the best part. Maria Canellis held her own really, really solid. And that for, I believe it's No Surrender, which is the same day as the Elimination Chamber, although the Elimination Chamber will be in the afternoon because it's live from Saudi Arabia. But yeah, that's Saturday, February 19th, TNA Impact, No Surrender, 10-man hardcore war, Boris, Honor No More versus Team Canada. Yep. Sort of. Exactly. All right. Uh, Madison Rain and Caleb are talking. They say that their match later is not for the uh, knockouts championship. Caleb did this bit where he wanted to be champ and he thought the match was for the belts. Um, but yeah, we're getting intergender matches here. Um, I'm going to I'm going to park my intergender wrestling rant for now. Let me just say I really dislike it. But if I have to sit through it. I like the way that Impact presents it, which is kind of goofy, kind of with a little bit of comedy, with a little bit of fun, very tongue-in-cheek. That's okay. I really find it to be offensive and disturbing when it's anything else. Yeah, agreed. Uh, like the hardcore matches that PWG have put on in the past, right? Like I just yeah, have zero like, time for those. Uh, I, uh, yeah, like I... Those are, yeah, I've seen a couple of them. They're compelling watches that I will never go back and watch again, you know? Yep. All right, so Scott Demore takes Honor No More to their personal locker room. It's just a storage room with really good lighting. Uh, Matt Taven complains about the paint buckets. Uh, Carrie Silken walks up. Um, the Honor No More crew is happy to see Carrie. Vincent asks for his last paycheck. Maria said that Ring of Honor is supposed to represent Honor, but she's not seeing that honor shown to her and her family. Carrie brought up all the great things that the wrestlers of ROH have done in recent years, including their show at MSG. Matt Taven talked about giving his all to ROH the last 10 years, and that all, all that gave him uh, was a line or a place in the unemployment line. Taven said that ever since the MSG show, all the Melvins have been blaming him for what has happened to Ring of Honor. Uh, and then the more dragged Carrie away. I really like this segment a lot. And I thought Matt Taven's line there of like, yeah, ever since you booked me in MSG, all the Melvins on the internet are telling me that I ruined Ring of Honor. So I actually hate that you did that. You ruined you ruined my life by booking me in MSG. I thought that was clever. And you know, it's true. I think we're two of those Melvins, Boris. So. <laughs> you know, I am. You know, I am. But I've never been a fan of, of Matt Taven per se, right? Like, it's just, he's, I've always thought that he was boring. Um, and, 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 and him having the world championship for as long as he did just hurt Ring of Honor when, in my opinion, at that time, they really needed a strong champion because they had just lost all of their top draws. Yeah, God bless Matt Taven, but yes, a CM Punk, a Brian Danielson, he is not, and that's just the way it is. But yeah, fair play to Taven here. Really love that promo, and as a Melvin, I have no retort. 
Boris. Yep. All right, match number two of the night, Impact Knockouts Tag Team Champions, the inspiration, Jesse McKay and Cassie Lee, the people who Matt got released from WWE, versus the influence, Madison Rain and Caleb, uh, in a non-title intergender match. As Matt alluded to, this match was fun. I like the presentation of Caleb with a K just acting like a goofball. Yeah, he's a very goofy, very, very uh, inept, bumbling heel. And, uh, yeah, he lost. He jobbed in the middle of the ring clean as a whistle to the inspiration. So it is what – Caleb with a K is a, is a comedy – hardcore comedy keel like lowest of the low on the card yeah exactly um and 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 i gotta say i'm not really looking forward to the influence versus uh uh the inspiration way too many eyes in- influence inspiration iconics um but i think that uh jesse mckay and cassie lee with tenille dashwood is going to be a very good match i just don't think that madison rain will be able to keep up with them very possible that they won't. Although, I mean, the inspiration aren't exactly like uh, the Briscoe brothers in there. You know what I mean? But, uh, no, I think they're doing a very good job. As shocking as it is that Tom Phillips got released, Tom Hannafin, it is so shocking that the inspiration are in this company. It, it feels like they don't belong, but in a good way. You know what I mean? It feels like they're almost like, I don't know what it is, like too, too big of stars to be here, even though they were like low mid card. I don't quite know what it is, but it feels like a good get for Impact. It really feels like when you see the inspiration on this television show, it kind of elevates the television show in a way. There's something to be said about the WWE rub. There's something to be said about people recognizing people from WWE on these shows. Yeah, and when when it's like old impact wrestling or AEW, arguably when they're signing so many people from wwe it starts to become it loses its impact right but when it's just the inspiration and jonah basically on this show who are wwe quote-unquote cast-offs and they're both kicking ass and looking awesome then it really really does boris make an impact yeah but like the thing about jonah is that outside of us and hardcores who the fuck remembers bronson reed Absolutely, and not many people saw Bronson Reed. So, but a lot of people did see yeah. uh, the the iconics. Thing is, you know, we I say that, but at the same time, people who do watch Impact are a little more in the know. So, chances that of them knowing Bronson Reed, the colossal Bronson Reed, it's been a while since I've been able to say that. Um, <laughs> it's high, right? I got to remember that about Impact. For sure, for sure. But yeah, no, not not a strong wrestling match. Pretty much inarguably a bad wrestling match by any definition but fun but fun and watchable yep all right uh how would you rate it we're gonna go two shark boys out of five for this one slightly below the madcap moss line the mendoza line yep all right so jake something thanks mike bailey for having his back when the bullet club jumped him ace austin and madman fulton show up ace acted worried and said he should have come out to help ace tried to act sympathetic and said that jake was wrong and saying he can't trust him jake something brought up ace trying to sleep with alicia edwards eddie's wife ace claimed that was a misunderstanding Mike Bailey tried to be the peacekeeper and said that the issue, all issues aside, they'd like to have Ace's help to fight against the Bullet Club. Ace said he and Madman Fulton would like to do that, but they might be busy next week. Uh, something wondered if Ace was trying to sleep with someone else's wife. Ace said it was complicated because they have to run things through management. Gil Kim magically show up and said she's his management. Kim booked Ace, Fulton, 
Bailey and something in a match against the Bullet Club for this week's impact. Yeah, so I somehow, some way, Mike Bailey, in my opinion, came across as the best promo on this on this little segment. He felt the most natural. I think he was the best actor, quote unquote. And I, yeah, I was pretty shocked that Mike Bailey used. Not that this was a good like. You wouldn't ever put this in a top even one hundred promos. Like it wouldn't be anywhere close. But it was just like, huh? Mike Bailey's not bad at this. You know, he's he's he gets it. And I thought he was as good or better than anyone else in the segment. Yep. All right. Not only do the BAM boys, Boris and Matt, predict the Bola Championships, they predict vignettes because a vignette aired uh, for the quintessential diva. And Boris and Matt were right when they said that this was going to be Giselle Shaw. Yes, I actually uh, more Boris than Matt, because I at first wondered if it was going to be Frankie Monet. But no, you called it out. You nailed it, buddy. And she's coming. She is coming. Yep. All right. Carl Anderson and Doc Ellis walked up to Eric Young and Violent by Design and told them that the Bullet Club is here and that they are a big problem. Eric Young said it was none of their business. Anderson brought up how Young came uh, to the Good Brothers for help a few months ago. They talked about taking down uh, all the top contenders in the tag division and even showing power with Gals and Doring teaming together. Anderson said Bullet Club is another team that will get in all their ways. Uh, Gallows said he and Anderson helped create Bullet Club, and now they have to kill it with a lethal injection of violence. Uh, Young said violence is what a violence by design does best, and their business arrangement will continue. This uh, this show, it reminds me a lot of uh, NXT Black and Gold. Obviously, like, not a patch on the in-ring work, but just everything makes sense. Every storyline progresses like A to B to C to D. You you can tell plans are in place and uh, yeah, young talent gets opportunities while still like, you know, appreciating the old stars. I was just like, especially because we have to watch NXT 2.0 so closely and take notes every week. I was just watching this and I was just like, man, like this show feels like it used to feel when we did our podcast. You know what I mean? And I'm not just sewering this thing and, and shaking my head and going, oh my God, Sailor Moon, really? Sailor Moon is a character on this show? You know, like yeah. there are wacky cartoon characters. There's still Rosemary. You know, there's still arguably stereotypes like the inspiration's probably pretty stereotypical. But at the same time, like it's it's not insulting your intelligence openly anymore. Yep. And that's a beautiful thing. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it a beautiful thing? I really do enjoy that about impact right now that it's, you know, some may call it basic, easy booking, cheap, easy booking. But. If it makes sense, I'm gonna my enjoyment of it is gonna be so much more than you know than the meme of trying uh, like the, the the whiteboard and trying to figure stuff out. Exactly, buddy. Uh, the, the Charlie Day, That's the it, Pepe yeah. Sylvia, buddy. Exactly yeah. right, homie. All right, man. So Gail Kim introduces Mickey James for her State of the Knockouts division address. Uh, the ring was surrounded by all the knockouts from the locker room. Mickey James made her entrance. Uh, she thanks Gail Kim for her introduction, and she called Gail the greatest knockout champion of all time. Mickey says she's the sangest. Second, she calls Deanna Peraza the third. Kind of gives her a little shout out, but also throws shade at her, saying she's the worst human being she's ever met. Uh, she talks about Jordan Grace being a great. 
digital media ch women's champion. Uh, Mickey praised the women for a great Ultimate X match. This was a big loving for the knockouts division, which has been doing really good stuff. Um, Chelsea Green, and I always, you know, I always have to remember that Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona on Impact are faces, right? So Chelsea Green cuts off Mickey James, talks about uh, Mickey saying, if she wins the Royal Rumble, she said Mickey is a legend and it should be when she wins. Chelsea said uh, when she wins, she wants the first title shot. Tasha Steeles cut in and said no one cares about what Chelsea wants. Tasha talked about beating Green twice in a row. Tasha talked about how there's uh, how she's the first in line to face Mickey James at No Surrender and she'll beat mickey before she has a chance to go to wrestlemania remember this was last thursday before the rumble uh tasha uh, jabbed mickey james in the gut with the giant red x savannah evans tossed the green in the corner mickey recovered and hit green with the ground and pound uh, green sent evans to ringside with a big boot mickey and green stood tall as they say matt as evans and steels retreated yeah, very good little promo. I was expecting it. I don't know why. I guess I'm not watching Impact enough. I'm not closely enough associated with this product, and I need to watch it a little more. But the whole, like, state of the union address felt like a heel thing to me. So I was expecting Mickey to come out and kind of turn heel a little bit. But that's not what happened. This was a very straight-up, straightforward babyface promo, like thanking the fans, thanking the wrestlers, even thanking her greatest rival. So that shocked me a little bit, but I did like it a lot. Yeah, it was it was, it was kind of cool, but it made sense, right, to air this before her Royal Rumble appearance. Like it it was it was it was, yep. it was smart done smartly. It was intelligently. It was smart. It was gooder. It was goodest. All right. <laughs> I think I think goodest is the word you're looking for. Yes. All right. <laughs> Gia Miller interviews Steve Macklin about losing to Jonathan Gresham last week. Macklin said he was out of his element with it being a pure rules match. Macklin yelled at Gia to leave. Macklin also threatened random security guards. Uh, Jonathan Gresham said that Macklin doesn't have to take out his anger on everyone. Gresham challenged Macklin to a non-title match next week, this week, today on Impact. Macklin nodded and said that Gresham knows his answer. Great. Perfectly fine pro wrestling, and this will be a fun wrestling match. Yep, exactly. Um, so this is a, something that kind of made me laugh because we saw footage from the Terminus show where Jordan Grace defended her digital media championship against Kira Hogan. Um, and I'll say it before, and I'll say it again, I love the fact that Kira Hogan is getting more attention outside of the company she's signed for. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little rough. And Kira Hogan like left Impact because she wasn't getting enough attention, and now is getting more attention on Impact than she is on AEW. So tough beat for Kira Hogan, who's really talented and deserves better. Uh, you know what I want to see at this point? Ruby Soho and Kira Hogan saying "fuck you" to the AEW Women's Division, forming a tag team there, and just doing what they like. You know, just 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 going wild there. Interesting. It would be like uh, Impact, like them taking the titles off the Iconics. No, I mean like in AEW. Oh, saying oh. you know this company doesn't know how to use us, so we're gonna force ourselves into stuff. I can definitely, I like that. I can get behind that. Yeah. All right. Gia Miller interviewed Jordan Grace and brought up how Matt Cardona had his layout out. Uh, Laid out a challenge to her. Grace brought up how Zach is a pioneer in the digital media space, being the first internet champion. Uh, Grace said the only problem is that Cardona was champion when MySpace was a thing. I took a great offense to that. Um, 
You know what I'd have loved the most about MySpace? That you were forced to put your top friends and the entire world saw if you were top friends with someone. I fucking loved that feature. <laughs> you are such a heel. I bet you did love that feature. Oh. Yeah, but there, yeah. And it was like the episode <laughs> of Seinfeld with the emergency call. I would change people depending <laughs> on... <laughs> Uh, daily friend rankings, up uh, the updates, the updated board. Yep. All right. Uh, Jordan Grace said Cardona isn't going to be an internet champion in 2022. Grace said she's a fighting champion and totally willing to defend her title against Cardona. Grace said that Cardona better not go crying on Live Journal when he loses. Live Journal shout out and MySpace shout out was a bit of fun. Not excited for this match. Don't want to see the intergender stuff, but whatever. Yeah, and knowing the outcome, I'm just really not looking forward to where they go with this whole storyline. All right, so the next match was W. Morrissey against a bunch of random learning tree jobbers, members in a handicap match. What do you want to say about this match? I really thought it was a bit of fun. I, I, I like this idea a lot rather than like seeing Goldberg squash one guy or the giant Gonzalez or Yokozuna squash three guys. We saw Big Cass squash nine wrestling school geeks. So... A very unorthodox little bit of pro wrestling here, but I thought it was pretty good. I actually got a lot out of this, and I would say it might be controversial, might be shocking. This is my favorite match on the show, Boris. This is my favorite <laughs> match on the entire show. I'm Whoa. not saying it was the best, but it was my favorite. <laughs> Whoa, crazy. Look, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. I wouldn't say it was my favorite or good, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> uh, you know, if there's one thing that Impact is 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 doing well, and knows how to do well, and that's how to use W. Morrissey. And if anything, they're building him up to be a super good face monster. Yeah, he is He is like a Kevin Nash type. Like, he is that kind of, he's Diesel. He is this company's Diesel right now. And it's 1995, Boris, and let's all party like we're back in the 90s, buddy. But no, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to have a man squash nine other people. Like, you haven't seen that. You haven't yeah. seen that before in a wrestling show. It's just a smart way to build up someone, right? Like, you can go this way, or you can do what WWE did with Braun Strowman, and it's kind of just wish and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly right. So I wouldn't say this was objectively great, but I would say subjectively it was great. I loved it. But if I'm going to put a rating on it in terms of every other wrestling match I've ever seen, I would still say, I would argue to the death that it was above average, but I'm not going to tell you it was like five stars. So we're going to go three Shark Boys out of five, Boris. That feels fair. Yep, that's fine. All right, so Brian Myers gets in the face of W. Morrissey. Myers then laid punches and a kick on Morrissey. Morrissey came back with a choke on Myers. Uh, Moose ran in and blindsided Morrissey when Morrissey conveniently turned his back away from the ramp. Morrissey laid punches on Moose. Myers distracted Morrissey, which allowed Moose to nail Morrissey with a belt shot. The large group of jobbers tried to put the boots to Morrissey, but he powered them all out of the ring. Moose then hit Morrissey with a spear to leave him lying in the middle of the ring. Moose poses with his belt. Moose is a pretty good heel take on the Kevin Nash big character. It's basically like 2002 WWE kind of heel Kevin Nash versus 1995 babyface Kevin Nash. So that's fun. Yep. All right. Raj Singh says that he's had bad luck since his partner. Uh, one got 
injured, one left the company. He said he gets to face a blue chipper from Punjab. Uh, uh, John Skyler shows up, cut off Raj, saying that he beat Matt Cardona in his first match. Skyler said that it, it's not fair that Raj's friend gets TV time ahead of him. Raj said that instead of Raj facing uh, Bupinder, Skyler can face him. Skyler accepted. Now, not much to say about this, except I'm excited to see where this the character goes. The the new hot upstart, Bupinder was his name? Yeah, Bupinder. Yes. All right, then it's time for Jonah versus Johnny Swinger. <laughs> of all people, Johnny Swinger. Yeah, from parts unknown, Johnny Swinger. Yeah, Johnny Swinger. It is 2022, and we are talking about a match with Johnny Swinger in it. Well, it wasn't uh, It wasn't long. It wasn't much of a wrestling match. The yeah. highlight, or low light, depending on what camp you're in, was impact cutting to the crowd and Dan Lambert watching this fucking match. Interesting. Dan Lambert watching the Jonah match. So who is Jonah fighting down the road? Is he going to be fighting for Dan Lambert? Maybe who knows, man? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I hate the amount of attention Dan Lambert's getting, but I don't know. I hate to say this and admit this, but it kind of piqued my interest. Uh, I, I'm surprised that so many people dislike Dan Lambert. I think Dan Lambert is great. I love the amount of attention he's getting. I think he's really good. So that's my, that's my take on it. All right. Anyway, so Jonah wins in one minute and 17 seconds. How would you rate this match, Matthew? Yeah, uh, perfectly average squash of uh, of one man through it. It's, it wasn't very memorable, like Morrissey squashing nine men. It was just your basic one-minute pro wrestling superstars kind of match. So we're going to go two and a half shark boys out of five, right on that line. Yep. All right. After the match, Rosemary, Taurus, and Crazy Steve made their entrance uh, decay, as they're known as, and they kind of stand over Johnny Swinger, and they stare in like at Jonah. So seems like they're setting something cool up. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Taurus versus Man, Jonah yeah. would be cool. That would be that would be a big hoss battle. Man, it's so funny. Going through this show, it's not as good as I thought it was when it ended. It really isn't. There was nothing really that great on it. But it's just the new, like the vibe of impact. It feels exciting. It I like the commentary. I just like the storytelling. And it just feels like we're in good hands. It just does not feel like they're insulting our intelligence anymore. So it's fun. Just those little tweaks, how far, how how like a long way it goes, you know? Well, for me, it's it's like you said, this Matt wasn't a memorable show, but nothing was bad. Nothing was an insult to our wrestling intelligence. And, it, you know, it, it was a consistent show, which is what NXT used to be. A hundred percent right. Yep. All right. So the main event of the night was Chris Sabin with Josh Alexander, Rhino, Willie Mack, Rich Swan versus PCO with Maria Canellas, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett and Vincent. Yeah, so yeah, a big old group of people setting up the later uh, 10-man tag that we already told you about. When you're not using weapons, you really see how limited PCO is. He still does his flips and stuff, but we, like he is, he is key. He is best as one man in a multi-man weapons match. That's where PCO shines. When it's a one-on-one -on -one main event match, you really start to see some of the, uh, the downsides of PCO. You also see how slow he moves now, right? Like, let's remember, the yeah. guy's almost 60. 
You want to hear a fun story about PCO that I heard recently when I was interviewing Sledge? Apparently, PCO, for shits and giggles, decided to walk 24 hours. (laughs) What? What? Walk 24 hours? Yeah, he just wanted to see if he could do it. Yeah, I guess he did. He? Yeah, he did. Did he succeed? (laughs) He did it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, what a crazy, crazy human being. The French Canadian Frankenstein, that nickname applies. He is still front flipping to the ground at uh, almost every wrestling match. Yeah. Um, The move that always scares me, and it's just like everyone could easily be hurt, is when he does a cannonball on the apron. Yeah, a front flip cannonball sent on from the top rope to the apron. It could, a lot can go wrong. But he 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 pulls it out, right? Like he did it on D'Lo a few weeks ago. He did it on Saban this week. The end of the match at 11 minutes and 50 seconds saw PCO hit Saban with a sit-out full Nelson atomic drop. He gets the pin and the win. Uh, Honor No More comes out. They beat up Saban, Josh Alexander, Willie Mack, Rich Swan, and Rhino. They come for the save. Eddie Edwards threatened to hit Vincent with a kendo stick. Josh Alexander tripped Vincent and put him in the ankle lock. Uh, Eddie didn't lay a hand on any of the Honor No More wrestlers. That's one little thing I wanted to notice. He even told Alexander to not go too far with the ankle lock. The Impact wrestlers were kind of celebrating um, as uh, the show ended. Oh, Boris, interesting little nugget there. I like that you pulled that out. That might be the finish of the pay-per-view match. Eddie Edwards turns on Impact and joins the Honor No More Club. Yep, I can 100% see that. I can 100% see that. I agree with you, buddy, because I brought it up. So, of course, you know that's my take. But, yes, so uh, coming up on February 3rd's edition of Impact Wrestling, it might have already happened by the time you are listening to this show, but it's probably happening uh, before. Anyway, so this is February 3rd, Thursday, Impact. We are starting with an eight-man tag team match. Uh, Madman Fulton, Ace Austin, Jake something, and Mike Speedball Bailey versus the Bullet Club of Chris Bay, Tangaloa, Tamatonga, and Switchblade Jay White. That's going to be awesome. We're also getting Vincent versus Josh Alexander. We're getting Jonathan Gresham versus Steve Macklin in a normal standard wrestling rules match, not a pure rules ring of honor match. We're also getting for the digital media impact championship, Jordan Grace versus Matt Cardona and Jonah versus crazy Steve. Yep. Honestly, it's like I think it'll be a fine card. Like uh, like we said earlier, uh, not too long ago. Like it's going to be at least consistent, right? It won't be it won't be bad. It won't be horrible, but it'll be at least a consistent sounding show. No, it's the kind of thing like at some point I will find two hours before next week to watch that show. I'll throw it on in the background at least when I'm playing video games or cleaning up something, you know what I mean, doing dishes, whatever it might be. I'll figure out, I'll find some time for impact at this point because it's 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 earned that. Not to be like we're like the kings, you know, but every human being, every one of us votes with our time, you know, and I think they have earned my time. So that's fair. Um, Impact No Surrender, February 19th, same day as the Elimination Chamber show. World title, Moose versus Morrissey. Women title, Mickey James versus Tasha Steeles. And the 10-man hardcore war, Impact versus Ring of Honor. Yep. 
I think that'll be a fine show. I might actually try to watch that live, to be honest. Um, we'll see. I don't even know if I'm going to watch Elimination Chamber, to be honest. Uh, but I I think I'm going to prioritize Impact that day. Go figure. Interesting. Interesting. We'll see what we're If you're around the house, maybe we'll catch it on Saturday. Yeah, night, actually. If we're both yeah, exactly. All right, Matt. Well, that is our chat. and That is a show. I love how this show is actually longer than normal, so sorry for that. But we had a great sports discussion. I may have went a little too long on the soccer chat, but it's not every day that I get to chat footy with, uh, with anyone. So anytime I get the opportunity, I take it. All right, so what's on the SNME uh, channel? If that's where you're coming from, you have the old fucks coming to you on friday but this week it's going to be mike mcguire who you know as the new host of sunday night's main event and dan the mouth of ransky they're going to be chatting all things uh dynamite and then on saturday it is the dose shows you get the smack daddies chatting all things smackdown and then later on at night you're going to be getting dark side of the elite as they chat all things rampage rollout and then on sunday we are back with Sunday night's main event with Mike McGuire. Um, and uh, we're going to be chatting everything that happened in, in the week that was professional wrestling. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Thank you for listening. And goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my voice cracked pretty Whoa, bad there. I hadn't talked in a while. Have your balls <laughs> dropped yet? 